This is Coda Radio, episode 72, for October 21st, 2013. everyone, you're listening to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode's brought to you by our two fine sponsors, GoDaddy.com and Ting.com. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this great show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Good morning there, laddie. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. You know, so, uh... I hope you don't mind, but I've joined the open source tea party. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. I didn't either. I didn't either. I it was so news to me. Do you have like open source founding fathers? Like uh, I, you know what? This uh, was the label was applied to me. I had no idea to tell you the truth. <laughs> Are you like sitting there thinking, what would RMS think? Because you, you could just call him. You know, there's there's Dev Hoopla, and then there's Dev Hoopla that actually you know I get pulled into, and that's a whole new level layer of Hoopla. That's all I'm saying. It's just I like when they go after you instead of me. It's that's good. That's good. So we actually have a third sponsor today that I didn't tell you about. Oh yeah, good. Triple D'Anvers Deconic beer uh, from the great country of Belgium. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, it is eight percent alcohol by volume, so it's going to be an extra special episode. Oh, I can only look forward to that. Uh... And the value of this is negative. Positive, positive, <laughs> very positive. <laughs> All right, RMS, we have to show you the absolute value function in C. Just just do it. Now, um, this show isn't all about uh, these silly things. No, no, this show is uh, – we, we have a few topics today because there's a couple of big events that are coming up this week. Yeah, Chris, I, I would go as far to say as we're in the Situation Room. Dude, we are in the Situation Room. It almost like it calls for some kind of like Situation Room type. This is CNN Breaking News. Uh, Mr. Dominic, I'm here to report to you that uh, we are near uh, two, I repeat, two live events from two major tech companies. Uh, one of them you might be familiar with is called Apple, and the other company is called Google. That's a large number, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh... <laughs> So I, I think uh, we, we're going to rub the crystal ball a little bit here in this episode, but uh, we do have some hoopla to jump into. Plus, you've got a little, some more thoughts on your Moto X. And there's a little open source violation out there that, uh, well, we should probably talk about. So I think it's going to be a good episode. Of course, we should start with our feedback, shouldn't we? We have to. Well, no, we don't have to do anything. But I feel like these people, these fine people like, took the time like to write we owe in. it, especially to the people who are angry at you. <laughs> we owe it to them. All right. Well, let's see if we get there. Uh, first email comes in from Fry. And uh, Fry needs some advice about a career move. He says, hello. Well, hello there, Fry. I'm currently a .NET developer at a company I've worked for for two My and a half years. <laughs> it's, okay. it's an okay job. I got right out of college, but I'm growing tired of .NET. I'm a Linux man at heart, and the pay is not nearly as good as I feel it should be. I have an opportunity for a position as a senior application developer at another company, a position that pays between sixteen and 21000 per year more. The only problem is... They use IBM RPG IV. I don't know if this is a good move for me. Sure, the pay is much better. And I will look good on my resume, And I'm only, but I'm only 23. Would working for such an old language hinder me in the future? Thanks, gents, and keep up the good work. Wow. 
IBM RPG IV. I don't even. I don't even. I don't even know. I'm going to Google yeah. it right now. Yeah, I, I've never even heard of that. <clears throat> okay, so uh, IBM RPG, according to the uh, Grand Book of Knowledge, is a high-level programming language for business applications. Ooh, sounds riveting. Ooh, are uh, we competing with COBOL here? And uh, IBM is the uh, creator and primary vendor. It's also available for other mainframes and microcomputer manufacturers, including Unisys. <laughs> right, they're, they're they're doing well these days, actually. And I don't mean to poke at it. Sounds like it's uh, sounds like it's it's got a good history. It w- originally appeared in 1959. How about that? So I actually have an answer you might not expect. Go for it, man. If you're really going to make twenty grand more, and you you seem to be confident you can get this job, go for it. But keep yourself. So now you're doing something very old, right? So on your nights and weekends, and I'm not saying you know ruin your personal life. Just take an hour here, an hour there. Stay sharp on something hyper modern. Um, so you have a .NET background. Maybe you stay sharp on Azure or, or ASP.NET MVC four. Um, Again, you probably don't want to do that given the tone of your email. So maybe you jump into something else, right? Vala, Java, something to fall back on. Having said that, I mean, twenty. Just just thinking practically as someone who you know Does likes that. money. Yeah, twenty thousand dollar raise. That sounds the way you wrote it. Very easy for you to get. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I also. Um... Fry, uh, see, it's funny. You you talk about being 23 as if that's a disadvantage. Like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. I'm only 23. It's like, dude, your 20s are your years to experiment and yeah. and build a portfolio. And I don't know, I don't know any other company. I mean, IBM's good for the resume. And a lot of times, working with this older, more historical stuff can have surprisingly interesting insights. It can give you insights into newer stuff. It can it can it can also sort of teach some history in a sense. And I don't think that's necessarily bad either. Well, keep in mind, too, that um, it's a super specialty, right? Like web objects, which anybody who knows what that is, I'm so sorry. So even if you do leave IBM and you decide to go be a consultant or something later, you can demand a higher hourly rate because there's not you know 20,000 Java developers across the world willing to take your job for half the price, right? Yeah, I also... This is <clears throat> hyper-specific. I also see this as like a, a couple-of-year thing for him. Right. I mean, I don't see this as like the next. No, this isn't years. a ten-year thing. I mean, yeah. Although IBM is a big company, if mm-hmm. he's, you know, we don't could be places one, to go. Right. From one email, we don't we keep, we don't really know this guy. He might want to be, you know, the PM, the the IT director kind of guy. Um, and I mean, come on, what's more impressive than being the IT director at IBM? If I were Fry, I would jump on this. To be honest, I would. I would. I would go. Yeah, I wouldn't. I think a lot of the things he sees as negatives, I actually see are positives. From I see as positives, and let's be honest, between this very strange, very old IBM language and .NET. Well, .NET, there's a lot of, you know, overseas companies eating your lunch, right? I say I mean, go into it with the perspective that you're going to work probably with some guys who've been doing some, something a certain way for a really long time. I mean, I don't mean to draw conclusions, but I have I have worked with IBM contract guys from IBM who yeah. work on mainframes. I, I never worked with one who was under the age of 45, and most well, of them I- were... You know, pushing so, 55. <laughs> so fine. that's probably why they want you, by the way. It's because you're in your 20s. If they know that you're young. Um, having had a brief experience with web objects, with technologies like this that are so out of, um, mm-hmm. out of, if they can recruit a young person into it, they're often willing to look the other way in a lot of other things. Well, and if that young person is willing to, um, you know, embrace the good, the positive aspects of working with a more seasoned developer... Um, then you know it's a good opportunity for them too. 
I mean, certainly, you know, you, you need to go into the attitude of you need to learn from these guys who've been doing this from 20 yeah, exactly. years. Yeah. Can't be like, well, you guys are all backward. Um, having said that, you're pro- my experience, again, working with that kind of thing, you're going to see some practices that are very, will feel backward to mm-hmm. you, but mm-hmm. there will be legacy reasons for it. Get, get what? <laughs> you want me to get, get what? <laughs> you want me to do what? Or if they're British, they'll say, what did you just call me? <laughs> Yeah, they'll get very upset. I mean, but I think also at 23, getting into something, if you have an opportunity to work with more seasoned developers, and if you have an opportunity to kind of work with an old school language, this this could kind of give him a competitive advantage to other people his same age in another five years, right? He could have, he could walk away with some life skills that most people his age don't have. I'm a young guy myself, and I loved when I used to work with all older, we'll we'll say more seasoned uh, developers, because... They have a lot of shady ass compiler tricks. That just yeah. makes and they great. often they often will buck authority, and that's good times. Well, if they've been at the company twenty years, the PM who just got there last year doesn't have a whole He's a lot kid. of influence. He's a kid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, sir, could you please fill in your report for what you did this week? You know what, son? I remember when your dad was born. So why don't you go ahead and take a walk? <laughs> Get it out uh, of here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is this base camp? Get it out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, next email. It comes from Bart. Bart says, hi, Mike and Chris. Uh, great show. I listened since day one and have thoroughly enjoyed it and learned a lot. Thanks, Bart. He says, over the past few months, I've noticed that there have been a lot of listeners writing in about choice of language and web framework. In the end, I agree with you about the importance of being a polyglot in today's world. Polyglot? Polyglot. I've heard the word before. I've never had to say it out loud. Uh, that said... There are certain tasks for which a certain language or framework is really the best for a task. I'm a trained as an, economi- uh, as an economist, but I spend most of my time building web-based software on mathematical and statistical modeling. For this task, Python to Django is really a perfect fit. I don't know of any other open-source general-purpose programming language that has both fully developed mathematical and statistical packages. And a fully fleshed out web framework, like, you know, Django. Uh, these capabilities allow for advanced analytics. Yes, it's a buzzword. Package in visually appealing HTML and JavaScript. Packaged in HTML and JavaScript. I'd also like to mention that specializing in a few languages and frameworks also helps you frame what you know is possible when responding to contracts. For example, if I lived in a Ruby world, I probably would know of the advanced numerical modeling capabilities of Python and wouldn't be able to propose building out project solutions based on these packages. I know that Ruby has other strengths. I'm just not familiar with them. At some point, you need to commit because you'll be a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. Love the show, Bart. This warning was given to me... Oh, man, it must be over seven or eight years now. In fact, he could be listening to this show. Friend of mine, friend of the network, his name is James. And, uh, in fact, uh, one of the cameras we use in the studio was donated by him. And uh, I worked with him, and uh, he told me one day, he pulled me aside and said, Chris, you have to understand something. If you keep working on all these systems, you will become a jack-of-all-trades, but a master of none. And he is, uh, he is of Asian descent, so he kind of says it with that movie-like cadence. Kind of Mr. Miyagi style. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you, I, that, that has rattled around in my brain for a really, really long time. Yeah, I had a similar talk, which was more from a very old Indian guy about why .NET is evil and you should, whatever you do, avoid that. Uh, Having said that, Bart and James definitely have a point. 
And I think I've, at least I don't know what your reasons are, but me personally, I've been pushing the polygot thing, not in the new lame buzzword where startups are using it to mean, hey, you get to be the front end and the back end developer. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> in, in the, um, you can't, so I've seen a lot of Java guys get hurt um, since I came in, you know, very young. Guys that just focus solely on Java? And then ended up training offshore people to do their job and were let go. See, this is sort of like, and, and also technologies die, right? Right. And then there's then the, the third element for me, which is sort of the radical element. It's like the proto matter in my Genesis device. I get wow. bored. And I, it, yeah, and that, that, that's a personality flaw that I share. It is, it, but it, and it is beyond my ability. It is at a level so much so that if, it, if I am not interested in it, I, I do not possess the mental capabilities to force myself to memorize and learn, no matter so what I do. Here's another facet to this, right? And I'll use myself because I think it won't offend people. Um, I'm relatively good at Objective-C, right? So any more study to Objective-C will have diminishing returns, right? Uh, now, if I were to look at a totally different language that I don't use, like F-sharp, I would gain more knowledge faster because I have no base in it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like there's a diminishing return after a while. Well, there is, and also, I mean, Objective C is probably a bad example because Apple keeps changing shit. So, you know, makes my life hard, but inappropriate. Yeah, it's, it's just wrong business. I mean, I guess a lot of the decisions I have made have been colored by those early job experiences. I saw these guys who worked for a company for like 10 years, and their final assignment was to train the offshore staff. Mm. Yeah, and I see I've seen it from the IT support end where it's like there are guys who who have who have started their careers in the Windows IT admin path. Like, you know, they took every step in the process to become there. Then you get to that point, and then what happens is is you become a king of an empire you don't want, A, and then B, um, everything goes to the cloud, or you get outsourced, and it's like so now my specialty is becoming less and less relevant. And to if, there, if you can get in on something like an IBM mainframe where businesses just have to keep using it, then dedicate yourself to that because that will right. be around apparently for 40 years. <laughs> I mean, but some things are much more ethereal, some, especially the newer technologies come and go at a much faster pace. It almost seems too risky to bet it all in one thing. Well, I, I'm also thinking from the dev perspective, you know, for the brief relatively brief time I've been in this industry compared to, let's say, you know, some of our listeners who are in their late 50s, early 60s. Um, I have seen at least six programming serious trends change, right? Come and go. Fads come and go. And I've seen people who clung to them like it was the be-all and end-all get serious damage to their career. And it's not just about your career, right? I mean, if you lose your job because it's outsourced, it hurts your family. I mean, there are serious consequences to to that sort of thing. Now, Bart is right that you can't just be ooh shiny, and I criticize the Node guys a lot about that, right? Because yeah, yeah. they're, they're, they're there's obviously a middle ground. I mean, I think what we've been kind of Chris and I have been sort of preachy against is the the basic was good enough for my dad, the basic is good enough for me attitude. Um, right. And these people are always a little bit justified because any technology that reaches a certain level of critical success almost can do it. Yeah, yeah you almost course. it never fully goes away because it becomes 
at least for a long time, it becomes like a VB6. It becomes used. It becomes widely deployed. Right. So you can't almost like, make that argument that like, well, look, I can still get a gerb doing this, and I can make a, I can make a good living doing this. Sure, you, you you probably can, but there have been cases that you certainly can. Right. Uh, I'm thinking of Java applets in particular, when a very close personal friend of mine who's much more senior to me lost his career overnight and had to restart as a junior developer on a different type of stack. I worked with a client that was uh, uh, sort of um, courted by Adobe to create a game using Adobe Air. Right. And they did it about midway into Air's popularity. And by the time the game shipped, Air almost looked like a dead product. Oh, I know plenty of Flash devs who got overnight Steve Jobs ruined their their consulting business. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was like, it was the iPad. Was like yeah, no, Flash didn't go bang off. Oh, yeah, it was that. It, that's that's essentially during that time that it was and and um uh. But that's you know, exactly. So Snake Talk's telling me applets are not used anymore. Quote should not be used anymore. That's the problem, right? It was all the hotness for what like six years, and mm-hmm. then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I did applets. That was my first thing. Like I did applets. That was my first gig. Um, and then I saw all these guys who had been teaching me lose their jobs overnight. Wow. And then that, that to me, that was a very shocking experience. How quickly the managers were like, "Well, we can kind of pay the offshore guys a third of what we pay you." Mm, mm. Of course, they kept the junior guy around because I was dirt cheap. Anyway, cheap. Yep. And it was and handy I, to have somebody right. local. And I took a terrible offer anyway. I found out later because I had the wrong, you know, I was studying the wrong course and took whatever <laughs> they gave me. But but you know, it's I guess once you been on the front line and kind of seen that happen to people you have a personal connection to maybe you get a and maybe this is wrong Chris I wonder what you're thinking but but I definitely I worry about what how quickly technologies can get offshore I think right? you know you've heard me work through it in the show like I've been I'm constantly reevaluating the back end that I use just to right. produce these shows because if Apple ever says okay we're doing arm and like we're going to gut final cut I got. I got to have a plan B. Like I got to be ready to move, right? So I'm always trying out different things, and uh, I spent you know a year just trying out different platforms before we went fully to video. And, well, and, th- and there's other <clears> risks <throat> than just offshoring, right? There's if you're particularly if you're on a proprietary stack, you know the vendor could wake up on Tuesday and be like, mm, "We're not supporting that." Yeah, they could do a course correction. Yeah, they could do a right. total pivot. And uh, I well, you know, and of course the first long the first job I held for a really long time. And I thought I was indispensable. I mean, I kind of was because they couldn't just fire us, but they they uh, they outsourced my whole team. You know, we had uh, six server guys and uh, we had 120 servers at the time. And uh, it was sort of the peak of of what we were doing. We were kind of really rocking at that point, too. And they just came in and said, all right, well, here's what we're doing. Outsourcing all of you guys. We're keeping the managers and uh, oh, thanks course. so much. The, PM, the PMs never got freaking yeah. outsourced, even even that. Well, that's, they need to manage the contractors. Right. So. And to be fair, I mean, you know, Bart is right to a point for sure, and, and I think we would be right to a point too. That you can't, you can't be the ooh shiny kid, right? You can't be, you know, the annoying hipster who bothers me in Manhattan about why I'm not using Node for everything. You right. can't be that guy. And then when yeah. Node is not fashionable next year, you can't be the guy who says, "Let's go," uh, you know, "Let's go." I don't know, whatever replaces Node, right? I mean... Uh, PHP. I know, I have a feeling it's going to be some bastardized form of uh, Go or some MVC framework on Go, but... 
Man, you didn't even get my PHP joke. It's cool. I ignore PHP. Well, actually, our next email is about PHP. Are you uh, are you ready for that? I can't hear it, so I'm fine. Oh, okay. Well, I'll read it. But first, I want to thank our first sponsor this week, and that is GoDaddy.com. Now, GoDaddy has an absolutely crazy deal. If you use the checkout code CODER199, CODER199 gets you a .com for $1.99. Now, I picked up – you ready for this? Did I tell you about this? JBTitles.com. JBTitles.com. Now, when you go to JBTitles.com, it automatically redirects to our voting page where people suggest titles for our live shows. So this is an example. When, when a .com is $1.99, you can, you can just solve all kinds of little, little annoyances where you've had super long G plus URLs or you've had a crazy URL for your titles page. I mean, it could be anything. When it's $1.99, make your life a little bit simpler. .coms are easy to remember. They're easy to pass out. And you can also get additional .coms for $9.99. If you use our code CODER199 when you check out GoDaddy.com, the world's number one domain name registrar, and they are kicking it up a notch. Now, I've told you a lot about GoDaddy's management panel. It is superb. It makes working with teams and groups, clients, contractors, super easy, very straightforward, very logical. And also, they have a click, click, type, save type interface for setting up your forwarding. You go in there, you click on your domain. You don't have to point one of these .coms to a server. You can just point it to a URL that already exists on the web. You can mask it or not mask it. And then you just hit save and GoDaddy updates the DNS. And now that's fully functional. It's so handy. So go over to GoDaddy.com or click the banner in our show notes. It'll precharge your shopping session with a $1.99.com domain deal. It's a fantastic deal. And thanks to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. And thanks to you guys for using those codes. That keeps us on the air. That lets GoDaddy know you appreciate their sponsorship of the Coda Radio program. So thanks to GoDaddy for sponsoring Coda Radio. Yeah, I actually have something to add to the ad, believe it or not. Do it, man. Uh, my attorney recently advised me to buy a bunch of domain names for apparently like copyright reasons. Mm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely, you know, if you're doing a new product, you know, having like, you know, chrislast.com slash product name is not good enough, right? Yeah. You need uh you need productname.com, ideally. That's a good idea. And why not throw in for productname.net? And what's cool with GoDaddy is you could take all of that for that project and just give it a folder. And you could put all those domains in that folder, yeah. and then if you needed to like share it to Zane for a week to do something or whoever, right? You just add their right, you just add their account to it, and then you can remove, and it's real cool. Yeah, and definitely go to CodeJournalApp.xxs. Great. Site. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. So uh, Nick writes in, and he says PHP sucks and rocks. I'm a PHP guy at my day job, and I I know it sucks for many reasons. He goes, uh, he actually links us to an article titled PHP a fract. Fractical of bad design, he says. However, the truth is, I've got a personal project, and I'm planning, to, and I and I'm, that I'm planning. And I asked myself this question: What language has a super simple, super simple push the files deployment, easy server integration, static typing, and a good IDE refactoring support? The only obvious answer I can think of: PHP. Now, obviously, most PHP guys write terrible PHP, and that's hard to maintain. But I came a fairly, I came from a fairly well-disciplined C sharp shop before starting php so i have a big enough ego to think i can be different that's fantastic <laughs> another path i'm considering is the non-java jvm language i'm interested in scala colton or cylon i think that's how you say it what i don't know is what the best way to go what the best ways to go when deploying a jvm web app seems like definitely there are several cylon. options definitely cylon i can say that right now. jetty tomcat is it really called Kylon? how do you say it 
I, I, I'm almost sure it's not called Silas. I know, right? I know. Uh, what's the best way to get myself up to speed on JVM app deployment, pitfalls, pros, cons of each? Thanks for the great show and doing an episode on the holiday this week. So I want to go back up to his PHP comments because you got a fair amount of slack in our IRC chat room during that, uh, during the show and after the show. Um, after Even after we like got off the air, like the conversation continued to roll about PHP. Um, we all upset about that. I think it comes down to, it's funny. Because you're a pretty prag- pragmatic guy, and I think the people who end up using PHP do it for practical reasons. So, so it's funny because we're going to get back into kind of like the same message about my extreme reaction is from being burned more than once. All right, but right. so what do you think? Do you think if you had really good, well, if you if you came across somebody you knew he was well disciplined, you know, do you think maybe you would have less trepidation so, about that so if you listen closely to last week's show I, I said that there have been cases where people have been fine with php right? okay okay and they've used frameworks <clears throat> and they've been disciplined and all of that uh but there have been far more cases where the code <laughs> is get a code and a bunch of crap <laughs> so it, it's not to categorically say that php developers are all php code sucks it's to say that it's unfortunately in my very non-scientific anecdotal experience Projects that are started in PHP are more likely to have weird problems than projects that are started in virtually any other language other than basic. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to... There was, what was the second point, though? There was a second point. Oh, oh yeah, there was. Um, yep. hmm 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 I think I closed it. It was about uh, choosing... Uh, how come... Uh, okay. Okay, so he says, uh, seems like several other options. Jetty Chom gets servlets. Okay, so I'm considering if, uh, I'm considering is a non-JVM language, is what he says. No, a non-Java JVM language. Okay. Yeah, non-Java JVM language. Seems like there's a, there's several options, Jetty Tomcat and servlets. What is the best way to get myself up to speed on JVM app deployment pitfalls, the pros and cons of each approach? So you have a couple things mixed in there, right? Tomcat is not a language, it's a server. The Java one server. Um, I'm go- I'm gonna just assume that you're you're really interested in languages or frameworks rather than actual Java server technology. And the reason I say that is, if you do use a Java framework like like Spring MVC or uh, uh, Play, the server is just bundled with it, right? I mean, it is running. Um, I don't remember which one Spring is, but I think Play is running. I think Tomcat under the hood, but I'm not sure. Scala is very, very popular, right? Scala, I think if you are, if you have some experience and want something a little more functional, Scala is the way to go. I'd also say that of all the things you've listed, of all the languages at least, Scala has the largest and most enthusiastic community in the JVM space other than Java itself, right? Uh, I haven't heard of Cylon. I looked up Cylon for you. I love that you're just going with Cylon. Thank you. <laughs> I hope that's what it's called. It's logo is an elephant. It would be so much. It'd be, it'd be awesome. And if there's not one called Cylon, we'll get on it, guys. It, 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 so by, okay, by the project's own description, Cylon is the language for writing large programs and teams. I don't know what you're trying to do, but unless it's very big, it seems like Cylon's probably not the most optimal choice for you. Um, and having said that, the fact that I haven't heard of it isn't a terrible thing, but the fact that it's only in 1.0 beta, not great, right? Scala is a little more mature. Scala has a big community, and uh, what that means is if you need help with Scala, there's tons of people who could help you. Oh, that's a great point. So I would say that if you're looking for a framework and you're looking for a language, 
Java Play and Scala go together like birds of a feather, baby. Oh, okay. There you go. Good answer. Um, there was a great discussion thread in our subreddit from last week's episode of Coda Radio, Betting on Linux. And uh, Carrie Hartline had this to say, and I just I want to give you an opportunity to respond to it. You don't have to go into detail if you don't want to. He says, I'm really scared for Michael. It Aww. sounds like he's betting his livelihood on an OS that can't even buy a good programmer a sandwich. Now, this was about last week how you said you're going to uh, uh, focus a lot of your uh, future efforts on developing desktop Linux applications. Uh, application. Uh, and uh, so I had a couple of people said, oh, that's kind of scary. He's taking a big risk. Now, you're a, you're a, you're a pretty smart guy. I, I got to imagine... Got to imagine you're not. Are you betting the whole farm on this effort, or is is there maybe a an escape hatch? So certainly, um, you know, the Mac development was always um, safety netted by the consulting business, right? The consulting side of things has always been there and will continue to be there. Uh, having said that, one of the benefits of being a very small company is obviously if things don't work out, you know, bailing out is an option, right? And there's not a thousand people to coordinate with to do that. Yeah, that's true. Having said that, I, I, I'm not as pessimistic as some. And I was very interested to see the pessimism in the subreddit. Mm. Um, I, I certainly agree with some of the comments that there are a group of people on the Linux space who will not buy software. I think that group is, though extremely vocal, not the majority. And doesn't that same group exist for... Android and iOS and Windows and the Mac. I mean, all those platforms have people right. who are like, oh, I never pay for software. Particularly on Windows, yes. And, yeah, I mean, there's one of the big reasons why so many people jailbreak their uh, iOS devices. So they can thefticate apps. Not everybody. Yeah, and again, that, that, that's, a, that's a small percentage of people, right? I mean... But, again, I think it applies. Okay, so like, there's also a percentage that- on Linux that say, I will never buy apps. It's just kind of... There's just always a subset of people that don't don't see the value in paying for software. Right. So so the the question should be is that is that percentage of the base right right on Linux than it is on Mac and Windows. And I'm going to say I'm going to gamble that it is not larger and that um in fact I'm willing to bet and I could be wrong that the piracy rates will be far lower on Linux than they are on either of the other two. Look at you! Look at you! You uh, you have faith in I I I agree too, especially if it's of software value, because there is a hunger. There is a hunger for it. Just like uh, the Humble Bundle has demonstrated, there's a hunger for games. Um, did you see that the right. latest Humble Bundle is on the Mac? I'm sorry, uh, on is is outselling on Linux, and it's generating more revenue on Linux. The current Humble Bundle than it is on the Mac. So they're they're making more revenue and they're selling more uh, of the games for the Linux. Let me check if that's still the true, but it, it true it was as of this weekend. Um, so right now, um, the average Linux price purchase is eight dollars and forty nine cents. The average Mac price is six dollars and eighty two cents. Um, and uh, yeah, Linux has a larger percentage share of the overall sales than the Mac does. Yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be doing this bet if I wasn't confident right i mean there 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 is a you know there is a reality here um of that i'm not psychotic <laughs> uh i don't believe you damn damn you passed me <laughs> bastard inappropriate ah uh. <laughs> no i mean there are challenges specific to linux that we've
touched a little bit, right? Certainly the window manager situation is is atrocious, right? That's and again, not not to dip into the hoopla a little bit or what we didn't put in the hoopla, but I feel like the Linux community is already starting to move against the one vendor that has decided to break compatibility. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're good there. Yeah. Um and at some point, you know, if you if you've read all the quote official communications, right? No one has ever, from fingertips, said we're going to support distro A or B. It's always been Linux, period, right? That's why we titled it Betting on Linux, not Betting right. on Ubuntu. So we're not taking responsibility for particular vendors who might have grand plans about mobile operating systems and things like that that don't make sense for us. Do you follow? Totally. Um, and our hope is that, for instance, once you shift... Uh, from one desktop environment to the other, that our software will still work. It may not be ideal on each different window manager, but it will certainly work and look decent. But that's exactly I what mean, I would want. I, I appreciate the concern, certainly, um, and I do welcome the feedback. I got a lot of feedback that we didn't include in the show of advice and tips, and um, you know, my dog. It's a. It's a. He's a big canonical fan, and she's really <laughs> upset right now. I don't know if you can hear her in the background. I believe your dog is yelling at Lenart Pottering right now, which is uh, surprising because I didn't know Lenart was even involved in this until your dog just started barking at him. Yeah, she's just like, <laughs> nope, not having that. Mm. Either that or the UPS man is asking, what can Brown do for you? And she's saying, you can get the hell off the porch. Right. You need to train her to say, leave the package. Yeah. Leave the Drop package. it yeah. and do not leave one of those stupid sign things. Uh, all right. Well, before we jump into our hoopla, I want to thank our second sponsor. Is that good with you? I love Ting.com. Ting.com. That's right. Ting is mobile that makes sense. Ting is my mobile service provider, rocking the HTC One. And I'll be honest, there has never been, as ever, since Ting has been a sponsor of this show, there has never been a better time to switch to Ting. So go to coderadio.ting.com and uh, start saving right now. They'll take $25 off your first month of service if you bring a device. And they'll take $25 off your first device if you need a new one, which all their devices are yours. You own them upright. And I think that's really fantastic. But here's why I say it's never been a better time. So you know about Ting's early termination relief program, right? Where they'll take a chunk of that early termination fee from your current cell provider. They'll just take care of that up to $75 worth. And all you got to do is grab a Ting device, port your number, and then submit your claim. And they'll give you up to $75 to help relieve you from that early termination fee. They're like, because Ting doesn't have early termination fees. Ting doesn't have contracts. Ting doesn't have any of that stuff. Ting is, you only pay for what you use. If you use 10 minutes worth of minutes, then that's what you pay for. It's very straightforward. It makes a lot of sense. Go over to the Ting blog, though, because they've announced a few things. First thing they've announced, they have pre-orders up for the Samsung Galaxy Note 3. And I'll be honest, this one is tempting me. If you use Waze or navigation, you really should consider the Note type screen size. It is, I mean, it is as abs- it is beyond better than a full-fledged G- GPS device. It is a gorgeous, huge screen and you have LTE connectivity. Ting has uh, has plans for over 100 new markets to be launched throughout 2013 to get LTE. When you combine things like Waze and the Note 3 screen and Ting LTE service, holy moly is that a combination. But when you're over there at that blog, they have lots of really good good uh, like they like they have they have a post here about uh, eligible Motorola devices are getting hundred dollar prepaid visas. So if you have a used Moto device, you might consider uh, uh, looking to see if your device is on that list. But what I want to draw your attention to is the golden ticket. They're out, they're doing six golden tickets, three in the uh, in the new Ting uh, portfolios we talked about last week that they're shipping out. They'll include a golden ticket for a year of free service. Uh, for 
you, you, you get it. You just open up your device. You're getting your device anyways. And then there's going to be a golden ticket like Willy Wonka up in here. Three of them for the packages you send out. And three of them, if you're going to bring your own device, do like the digital purchase where you already have like an Evo 4G or something like that and you want to bring it over. They're going to they're gonna set aside three tickets for you folks, too. These golden tickets are fun. They're awesome. And you're already going to save a ton by switching to Ting. And, man, wouldn't that really just put it over the top if you got one of those golden tickets? So, like I mentioned, Tings pay for what you use. They take their minutes, the text messages, your megabytes, and they just add them up at the end of the month, whatever bucket you fall into. That's what you end up paying for. You can have multiple devices on one line sharing a pooled minutes. I've got my HTC One right here. And when I had my Note 2, they're on the same line. I just pay a flat $6 per month. It's easy peasy, right? And if I don't use the device that month, no bigs. And that, you know, eventually I said, hey, Matt, take this, right? And then Matt goes into their super easy to use online dashboard, ports it over to his account, sets it up, and now he has it on his within just a matter of minutes. It's it's really a very, very well done dashboard. So go to coderadio.ting.com and get started because it's never been a better time to join Ting with that early termination relief program, the golden ticket, and now they're even taking pre-orders for the Note 3. Woo-wee. Kind of jealous of some of you guys. Kind of jealous, but I love Ting. So go to CodaRadio.Ting.com and thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. About that, golden tickets, huh? I love Willy Wonka. Uh, I just got a golden ticket from the IRS myself. <laughs> That's what was at the door. Oh, really? Yes, they would like another $190 apparently. <laughs> oh, jeez. Because ironically, apparently due to the government shutdown, my payment was processed late. Don't they know that you got things to pay for like Moto X's? I know. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So do you have a few more thoughts on your... Uh, I noticed you you made a blog post on the Moto X. Yeah, I like the Moto X. Uh, one of the most... Uh, so it is certainly not the, you know, hardware-wise, the best-looking Android phone on the market. Oh, really? You think the HTC One, HTC one still has a beat? Yeah, I, I, though I, I, I'm told the HTC One hasn't met sales expectations, so that's disappointing. None of HTC stuff does. Well, that's what they get for skinning it. Um, it's a good phone. Right. I mean, if I do this, OK, Google, now let's go to Starbucks. It, of course, just turned on and is navigating to Starbucks. You know, that works pretty good. That works pretty well. Hmm. I don't, a little too well sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that seems useful, but it. How do you like the size of it and all those things? Like, how's the battery life and all that good stuff? Battery life seems fine. Uh, my dog is ter- not a fan. He's leaving right now. No, bye, I doggy. Two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs I mean, have been part of the show this week. I like it. Yeah, the dogs have been very active. Uh, you know, I would say the one, the biggest point is that I almost, it's close enough to stock Android that I don't need to care that it's not. Right? That's what I was wondering. And to me, that seems like that could yeah. be the sweet spot. I mean, that's almost a feature. Also, you know, I've been using it as my personal phone. You know, widgets are a killer feature, Right. And I'd almost go as far to say as widgets are a, a necessary feature. And almost, almost ironic that they're not on OS X, cons- right. or I mean, I'm sorry, iOS considering OS X has them. Like I just pop to the right, and I've got Audible, Spotify, and uh, um, yeah. Pocket Cast. Or, or yeah, Pocket I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. When I go to the yeah. left, I've got a Bitcoin screen, and when I go to the right, I've got like uh, Twitter and G Plus, and uh, all, and then like links to facebook instagram or anything else i want on the bottom of it it's like so i have a bitcoin page i have a social networks page and then i have like my most frequently used apps page yeah it just makes sense right i mean this is you know and then when i pull down the notification center i can pause my different audio programs that i call constantly have running (laughs) i know yeah 
I mean, obviously these aren't features of Moto X, these are features of Android, but I think there's something to be said that the Android 4.x series has matured enough that I almost don't care. In fact, I don't know what specific version of Android is on this device. I think it's 4.2, but... Like to me, that in itself, particularly from a dev perspective, is is the killer feature of the recent Android devices. But then again, that sometimes gets thrown to the crap hole when you start skinning things. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of feel like, um, I kind of feel like you're you're kind of stepping on uh, what I was going to say during our KitKat discussion a little bit there. But uh, so I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But I would I would suggest that I think one of the things about these phones it's really hard to do in a review is what is the long tail story of the Android updates right. of long-term compatibility from new OS releases. And to me, there's just no way to know unless unless Google comes out and says, we commit to this phone for two years. To me, that would be a bullet point on the box that is a huge feature. And it's like, it's still, it's unknown. Like, I didn't, I didn't know for sure if I was going to get 4.3 on my HTC One. I did, and it's awesome, and it, it dramatically improved my battery life, and I'm super happy about that. It, I didn't think the battery life was awful to begin with. Um, so, you know, I think in a sense, like if I had known early on that my HTC one was going to get an update, I might not have been as upset at it, you know, the lack of updates to Android devices. I still think it's too murky. It's too, it's, it's too unpredictable. And like, you don't know, you assume you're going to get, but when, when KitKat ships, so, you so don't know if you're going to get but that. But this is kind of my argument. Um, since the 4X series and maybe even 4.1, it hasn't mattered. Uh, so unless they do something radical in KitKat that's different, I think this is pretty much the stabilizing and, and uh, maturing of Android. Yeah, uh, until they revamp Chromecast and embed it at the OS level like AirPlay, and then you don't get that until you have Android 4.5. And right. then all of I a mean, sudden it matters again. I mean, it only matters because right now there's not something you need to write an application for. But the moment that that new OS has something that none of the other phones can get, then it matters again. It yeah, only temporarily. I mean, it, yeah. It, we don't need to get into the to the Android discussion again, right? The the version thing, the third yeah, party yeah, version thing. Yeah. <laughs> We've been there. <laughs> been there, and people don't like it. No, so let's, no, it's, it happens to be one of the defining issues of our time with the most explosive right. platform, uh, software platform, and the most widely deployed operating system. But people don't want to talk about it. I understand. Well, my 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 bottom line is things in the Android space right now on October nineteenth or whatever today's date is, October twenty first. 2013 have never been more stable if you are buying one of the you know $200 with a contract phones right certainly if you're buying cheaper devices yes you're still in the crap hole yeah but with the top tier devices it has never been more stable so it's just like the PC market again business class PCs have always been better than the e-machines at Best Buy right basically I mean it's it's almost exactly like the PC market right I mean you could buy a piece of shit gateway or you could buy a nice Dell, mm-hmm. their business support line. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And and the, yeah. and um, it's kind of just usually those ones are better supported too. Like it's the, the, yeah. the analogy almost works top to bottom. So I, I know this isn't in the doc, but it's very related. The iOS seven six thing. Can we just jump into that now? Sure, go ahead. <clears throat> um, I've been having in the last, I'd say, month a lot of issues with iOS seven and iOS six fragmentation. Oh, really? And that is, of course, my liberal use of the word fragmentation, meaning that 
the eyes have been deprecated. Things have been changed. The layouts are different. There's a lot of weird crap going on, right? I've heard I've heard discussions where like some people are just saying, "Ah, we're only going to like." I just got uh, I have a I have a No Agenda app that's just a it's like a live streaming app. And they're like, eh, you know what? You got to have iOS seven to update to this version. And that that's the solution we're very aggressively convincing our clients to take, right? Because it, it's just not feasible. Um. Well, and Apple, to their credit, enabled the if you have an older version, they'll download an older version of the app that is compatible. It's kind of which is a whole another can of worms. Yeah, it is. Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh yeah, big time. Which is a nightmare for me as a developer. Um, You know, let's just think about Code Journal. Right, there is a free Code Journal for iPhone. Well, GitHub has changed their API several times. So if someone goes and downloads the earlier versions of that, it's simply not going to work. And it'll be your fault. And they'll be sending, they'll be one starring me and sending me the nasty letters, right? Yeah. So one of the nice things is you can actually turn that off as a developer. Oh, that is good. Right. And not allow people to do anything but the latest version. Uh, but the fact that they had to do that shows that they know yep. that there is a serious gap. Yep. Right. A fragment, if you will, a, a fissure, perhaps, a schism. A, a, a schizitation. Um, there is a great schism. Yeah. An iron curtain has fallen on the iPhone. Well, so let's take a look at iOS 7 adoption rate, right? Because I think part of this, I think to be totally fair, part of this conversation is, you know, traditionally iOS releases. Okay, so iOS is now on 73% of devices. It's interesting because I just recently heard from a source I can't disclose that it was like 80-something. So, Well, this is from uh, a couple of days ago. So this these, this, date, this data could be wrong. But, um, I mean, <clears throat> that's... That's huge. That is that is that is. At it's almost at that point when you're talking close to eighty percent, it's almost right. not worth to worry. Well, about. it's because you know it's pretty clear that Apple's position is, you know, if you want to support older versions of iOS, there's going to be, depending on your what you're developing and your UX, a great deal of pain. So, why don't you go ahead and you know push your users to go to seven? So one of the other issues is. Um, you know, Android has had all these issues with different screen sizes very early on. Mm-hmm. And they've had to embrace relative layouts and really hone the tool chain for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. iOS has been basically a designer's wet dream, right? I mean, pixel-perfect placements, pixel-perfect designs from Photoshop right to iOS style. You know, we were actually setting CG rec, rec with, you know, X, Y with blah, blah, blah. That... I'm noticing a big conflict there now. There's there's been a change. Well, yeah, it's, iOS seven sort of wipes all that off, right? And and they have relative layouts that don't work, right? I always figured the new design of iOS seven was more about just allowing them to do any screen size they want because it seems like it could. It seems flexible. like it is, yeah. Um, and to be fair, I don't think there's a lot of this is Apple's problem. I think this is the design community in iOS is going to have to get over themselves. It's going to have to realize that they can't have their pixel perfect. Right. But I think um, you, you, yeah. make, you make a good point in that because this is an issue that Android tackled much earlier on in the platform. Oh, and they sucked at it. I mean, let's be fair. Android sucked, right? Yeah. I mean, Android yeah. apps look like a dog's ass. I mean, but, but, I mean, in the long run, they will be better off by dealing with this up front. And they, uh, I mean, it's... The market just demands various screen sizes for various tasks. I mean, they never plan to have an iPad seven inch, and you know, you know, the six is going to have a larger screen, or else they're just going to their 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 market share is going to or their uh, or else they're handing you know ten percent of the market yeah. over to Samsung overnight. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, that's 
functionality. So Apple now acknowledges that they have to deal with this. Now, they're pretty smart. They'll probably come up with a clever solution that has a lot of drawbacks. But this Google is it's going to be inherent in in the design of the platform. It is part of the. So to be to be fair to Apple, though, if you're using the iOS seven widgets and you're doing things based on the HIG, the human interface guideline. Right. You're fine. Yeah. Because everything's a table view. Everything's but like a you said, it's view. a designer's wet dream. They prefer to... Right. But yeah. the designers want to give you textures, or even not textures, right? But they want, yes, we're going to do flat, but oh, but we need it to be our flat. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This needs to be placed exactly 10 pixels. And it, of course, it's doable rel- with the iOS relative layouts. But the tooling interface builder, which was the marquee of iOS uh, you know, development, doesn't work well. And you're getting into, you know, there's this weird iOS layout design language that you put in code that's not exactly Objective-C. It's, 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 it's really a mess, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, the simplest solution for a lot of, especially if you're retrofitting an iOS 5 or 6 app, is to just do an if check between the screen size mm-hmm. and do pixel-perfect CGUX. If you're, you know, if the designer or the client's being a super pain in the ass about that thing not being in the right, you know... It, I, I don't know how Apple is going to solve this problem. I mean, I guess time is going to solve it for them as developers start telling designers, listen, you, you need to think about iOS as you think about Android rather than this wonderful canvas that you can do whatever you want on. Um, and just to be clear, you can still do what you want. You just can't be so like 0.03 pixels from here to there kind of <laughs> stuff. Like you need to calm the hell down. Or you're you only need- making it for the iPhone. Or you're only making it for the iPhone four inch, right? Or yeah, or you, yeah, or, or you're going to have several versions of your app, right? Right, which is when the dev gives you the estimate is going to be astronomical. So, which yeah, which will leave it down. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so there, there's, I think there's going to be a culture shift on the iOS side, and you know, frankly, a lot of the old design paradigms that worked well in six and were popular, kind of don't work, right? Um, like some of the pixel perfect animations depended on the screen size for timing. And, you know, the iPhone 5 kind of broke that, but people if checked their way to glory. Uh, now 7 just totally changed that with their, you know, there's that layering model that doesn't quite work with a lot of the older designs. It's, it's really funny to think of iOS, and I know we're going to get some flame, but you know, at least for me in the last month or two, iOS has been the more fragmented platform than Android has been more trouble version to version. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting times. And, it, you know, the, the guidance from Apple or from, quote, the, the Apple people who came to my house this morning and took away my French press is tough it out, you know, amend your contract to just say seven. Which is great for new projects, but if, you, if you're already holding a contract, it doesn't help you. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Essentially... Since we were just talking about, we're talking about Apple, we were going to talk about KitKat, and then we were going to talk about the Apple event. Do you just want to tuck any thoughts in about any predictions for tomorrow's event, just iPad-wise? Are you, if one comes out, are you going to grab one, that kind of thing? You're asking about uh, the Apple product launch tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's going to be anything impressive. I really think we're going to see a lot of um, you know, very boring iteration. I don't actually think uh, that we're going to get a Retina Mini. No, that would be... Uh... That would be a mistake, I think. Yeah, and that, and that to me, that's the only interesting thing they could do, unless they do something magical with the whole TV thing, right? The whole Apple TV. Not a television, but the box, because I'm actually a big fan of that. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's just the mini. I mean, you know, it, 
We're going to get a 64-bit big iPad. Okay. Touch ID, you think? Who cares? I, I think they should do it. I think the Touch ID I, is a success. I think they'll do it. I just, it's not, it's not different enough for me to be forced to buy it, right? Right. Since I'm already yep. going to buy an iPhone 5S in I, January. I think we're entering that phase with all this tech yeah. for the most part, unless something surprising happens. Well, you know, what kind of was the most surprising thing out of all this is Google's deal with Nestle over the KitKat co-branding. Like that, dude. Me, I have eaten more Kit Kats in the last month than yeah. I think I've had in ten years. Well, yeah. I've had two. I mean, like little bar things. So, <laughs> I guess that quite counts for me too. But I will uh, say, you know, of course, if there was going to be a rumor, that rumor would come from Kit Kat. So, yeah. uh, I guess it came from like it was teased on the Kit Kat Twitter account, which is at Kit Kat. God, they are getting so much publicity for this. Um, they said everybody dance now. Uh, music, something about the and October twenty eighth, and and we're implying that we might see the final reveal of the Nexus five and Android four point four KitKat on October twenty eighth. That would be. So, do you um, know what the most interesting thing about the Nexus five is going to be for me? That would be next Monday. What? Do they have Verizon LTE in the box? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, so far they've been pr- predominantly GSM devices. Well, also, they tried to do Verizon with the most recent Nexus 7, right? And Verizon will, will not allow the device on the network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just interesting to see. This is what, why Ting needs to take over the world because these kind of shenanigans would come to an yeah, end. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, um, here's, I have a, I have a, so I'm going to be clear. I have. I'm really not up on the, for some reason, I just, I don't really care about Android rumors anymore. I just care about stuff that ships when it comes to that. So I haven't really followed the big, you know, predictions around 4.4, but I think, I've always thought at some point, Google's got to abstract this thing out a little more. Like, I think they're they're doing it with the Play Store uh, APIs, the Play APIs. Uh, But I, I feel like, wouldn't it be interesting if... They sort of broke it up even more, and KitKat was like more abstracted a version of Android, where the top layer is much more malleable. Like it, it could almost be pushed out as a new package. Are you, are you are you digging my jive here? Do you see what I'm saying? I I guess I understand what you're saying. Like um, like almost all of the top layer stuff would could just come down through a Play Store be, update. Would be part of the new services packages. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's obviously their answer to to um, vendor fragmentation. Mm-hmm. I don't, dude, dude. Okay, can, now imagine if like you could elect from the Play Store, like as an app, to install the quote unquote Google Experience layer, and it it just it just is like like you can pick your launcher right now. You pick. I mean, you wouldn't be able to swap out the kernel, which has vendor applied patches, but like everything right. else, like. All of their other hooks, all of their always running apps, would just that whole layer would just be like set aside, and the new layer would start and it would almost be like a raw, pure Google experience. So I don't think that would happen for purely business reasons. Yeah, I know, but God, wouldn't it be cool? Yeah, I mean, it would be a pure disincentive to vendors to do anything, um, and and I'm I'm pretty confident that a lot of vendors, or more importantly, Samsung would back away from Android if they couldn't skin it right. I suppose you're right about that, yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, the only vendor that really matters in the Android space other than Google and, and maybe Amazon to a point is uh, is Samsung, unfortunately. 
So uh, the Nexus 5 was rumored to have a uh, 443 PPI screen, which will, which will be a 1080p resolution, wireless That's charging, pretty. which would be cool. I've always wanted it. I've never had a device. I know uh, the uh, WebOS device had it, and I know that the Nexus 4 has it and a couple others, but I've never had wireless charging. I think that'd be really nice. Um, it looks like it's going to be a really good device. I don't know. I'm really curious how it'll stack up against the HTC One. Because right now, the HTC One also has a 1080p screen, beautiful, great speakers, and an LTE chip in it. Uh, you know, a CDMA LTE, LTE right. chip, which is advantageous here in the States. See, that's the thing. I, you know, the Nexus 4 is cool, but they left out LTE. Right. Yeah, that's um, why I never bought one. Right. So, I don't know how Google does a Nexus device that has CDMA LTE in the United States. Well, um... Okay, they could use the Sprint network. That you can actually activate on Verizon, right? Right, that's not going to happen. Right. What's so, so awesome about that, by the way, what's just great, is do you remember, let's go back a year or two. Do you remember how Google was intimately involved in giving Verizon the sweetheart deal of the century when it came to net neutrality reels, deals on, on wireless? Like, they, they, like they, they gave Verizon, they were involved in giving Verizon the farm on that deal. And right. and the now they pay for that, it like the like right. the like the it, it seems very like it was very short sighted in my opinion and it was all about sweethearting Verizon to get Droid devices on the Verizon network and they and and now look here they are a couple of years later and look how far it got them. I mean that's a big problem, right? Uh, you know because yes, it would be great if I could purchase one of these on Ting, you know, next week or whatever. Historically, Google hasn't done that, right? They've done um, uh, T-Mobile because T-Mobile is easiest to deal with. I, I just not that Ting is not easy to deal with, but Ting is an MVNO, and then there's complications with that. I just I do I don't see it. I, I I don't see this device having LTE on all the networks, and not that Verizon's the only network, but it's certainly an important network in the U.S. Right? Maybe if companies like Google just keep releasing, you know. Well, I mean, Google's really the only one that's saying it's only GSM only. It really, it really is. A so, shame. so the thing is, Google didn't do that, right? If you look at the Nexus Seven, it is a no, Verizon know, device. Know, you I can know, activate right. it, but by function, to, but by function, it what is. you have to do is you have to trick a Verizon person into giving you an already activated LTE SIM card, or you rip one out of a phone or like a, a tablet that you already have, and it works. <clears throat> so, um, if if here's 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 the the ideal scenario is that every cell shop has a Nexus device in it, right? Because then you could tell your family members, like when, when mom comes and says, okay, I want it, or dad, my dad's thinking about getting uh, an Android device because he wants a larger screen because he has a hard time reading his iPhone 4S screen. Right. And uh, so the Note has been crossing his mind. And I, I wish there was a Nexus device that I could just say, which would have a slightly, because he doesn't want a huge screen, so he's not totally sold on the Note. Um, I wish there was a Nexus device in the Verizon store that I could say, just go in there and try that. Because if you're going to get an Android device, Dad, and because Dad's technical and he wants, you know, updates, that's he he follows these things. That's what he would want to buy. And, but he he will only buy a Verizon phone because it's uh, he has a subsidized deal through uh, the uh, his job. I just don't see it happening anymore. I mean, I know the Galaxy Nexus used to be able to get through Verizon. I think I I I really I just don't see it happening. They're just they're they're so huge that if you don't get on AT and T or Verizon, you're not really playing. 
You know what I mean? Like, well, and and to be fair, they, Verizon is a, you know is a very strange company, especially when you look at where it came from, its origins, how it was created. You're you're not going to change Verizon, right? Oh, and you know what? People need to vote with their dollars. Seriously, we need we need to start educating people about why. There needs to be more choice in the mobile space and why we cannot grant this much power to one company because but this is what happens. to be fair, in, in my local area, you can say that, but AT&T's voice quality is shit and Verizon's is crystal clear. Well, and at the end of the day, that carries the day. This is right? – the United States specifically, CDMA is sort of a better, better. – yeah. Right. And that's one advantage that Ting has because they're CDMA as well. Um, but unfortunately, you know, when most people go to Vivone, they're buying it from Verizon or AT&T. And, you know, AT&T is a poor excuse for carrier, at least in my local area. They just, they can't carry a phone call. Uh, so, you know, Joe Consumer is not going to buy on principles. He's going to buy on, I need to call someone and I need it to sound clear. Or my work, you know, or my work subsidizes cell plans because they have a deal right. with this carrier. Or I don't use landlines, right? I use um, mobile phones as my business lines. So certainly call clarity is paramount for that. I, I I don't know. I, I don't think – I almost feel like Google doesn't care, right? I feel like the Nexus devices are coming becoming developer devices. And and uh, techie devices. Right. And Google knows that this is not – you know, this is just a way to make headlines and to be kind of a reference device for the rest of the industry. And um, Google does a lot of things, a lot of things that drive that stock price. I don't think we should underplay how in, how brilliant Google is on doing things in the market that make them look like the Willy Wonka innovators of the tech sector. Um, Project Loon, self-driving right. cars, Google Glass, right. the new Google Health initiative, right? And doing these Nexus devices, what they're demonstrating is they can also be competitive. They can also innovate, make an interesting device, and they, they try to push on the price and, and put pressure there. And I think... I think so there's it's a it's one of these things where there's a it gives developers a great reference device it gives manufacturers OEMs a great reference device it competes with Apple and it pushes that stock price up and it puts Google in the headlines it's not but but that all those things there they don't need it to be a they don't need it to be on every carrier to they've already accomplished those things so I feel like they're probably going to push it as far as they've pushed it Right, so the question becomes how does Google feel about Samsung's dominant dominance of the Android space right Especially with that Samsung developer conference uh, just right. around the corner. And the answer seems to be they are mildly concerned but don't care enough to, to rock the boat, right? It, why would they care? They got a good deal. Uh, they got, well, you know, they, they should care. I mean, they, you know, there's a risk there. I mean, Samsung has a lot of power in the Android space. Uh, but that might just be, you know... Maybe I feel like they don't. We don't want to get into the control of the platform thing again, right? But Google should become their own carrier, like uh, Daredevil is saying. Wouldn't that be interesting if Google became? Well, I feel like it's telling that the Nexus is almost obviously going to be uh, manufactured by LG and not Motorola, right? And you know, Samsung has all this power. Google has a virtually unlimited money, and they now own a cell phone manufacturer. Right, and they're uh, like uh, Daredevil is saying, is they are a carrier in Spain already, and um, they are also trying out. They're trying out the TV and internet services with Google Fiber. So, right. is it that? 
I don't, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't uh, install towers. Although they could. Maybe they become an MVNO. But here's the biggest thing we haven't covered about Google. Uh, their recent rev meeting. They are not making as much money in search as they used to. Right. Search search revenue is declining rapidly. They're just so selling. They're, they are still selling like an s ton of Google AdWords though. Well, they're yeah. They're they're making a lot of money, but it, it's the projections are not sunny, right? So. Have you seen their thousand dollar stock price? It's so funny, huh? I mean, that oh is, yeah, it's because they're 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 masters of of the market. They are better at marketing than Apple. Well, I mean, at least well, with the corporate I, brand, I would say that's. But Steve Jobs was that that he was yeah. the Wall Street brand, and a lot of the things we know about Steve Jobs are are legend because it was legend to manipulate the stock market. Of course, and the, and, and this is what every large public company has to do. It's part of the game. I'm not. I'm not disparaging right. Google for doing it. So, so my my thought is, you know, Google can do all these uh, infrastructure services in Europe, in Spain, in particular, right? I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about them going into Greece because the time is right with the Greek economy being, you know, sponsored by Germany. Well, and they're in Spain, right? And they're in Spain, the other you know, basically sponsored by Germany. And uh, uh, and then nothing against the Germans, but those are the if, for those who haven't been following current events, those two economies have basically collapsed under their own weight. My right? uh, my dream would be like a Motorola device because I'm just going Motorola because since they own the hardware in there, with a Google antenna in it that connects to Google. I don't think that's going to happen because think about how hard have the the IP carriers in the U.S. fought against even municipal. Uh, telecommunications, <laughs> but do not it, even Wi-Fi, even municipal fiber. Right? Forget about Wi-Fi. Just yeah. think about. You pay fifty bucks a month to the township, and you have your Wi-Fi. That's true. They've sued, right? They've yeah. tried to make constitutional arguments that that's yeah, they did, yeah, and they won, right? The very few places have that. So I don't. If the Google's going to move into that business, I think it's going to be in Europe, in you know, in the European economy, especially. I, once I that- agree, it's crazy. But if we were sitting here in the late '90s and you told me Google's going to get a fleet of cars and they're going to put 3d cameras on them and they're going to drive around the united states and other countries and take pictures of every inch of it and then put it all online for you to walk through i'd say that's crazy it can't be done and the other thing is then they went even further than that and they went into businesses and they took pictures and added qr marker codes and so here's actually- the difference right the president of ford and the president of, of chevrolet were whispering into the senator's ears saying this is very dangerous to us you know you should stop this when they were doing self-driving cars to map google maps right there is active political pressure against municipal Wi-Fi, against Google Fiber. Yeah. Think about the FUD campaign that Comcast did in Kansas City to prevent them from getting Google Fiber. They lost, of course. The people were smart enough to vote the right way. But And you know me, I'm not a Google fan at all, but you know, right is right. I mean, there's no... You're right. I mean, the, there is yeah. such a... And, 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 the, and the thing is, is those companies have such an established... Um, lobbyist um, yeah. establishment, right? So they – exactly, relationships. So they, they can yeah. leverage the existing um, pressure that they can already apply. I feel like in Europe, particularly in Spain and Greece, where frankly things have fallen apart, right? There's an opportunity for Google to come in and other private companies and say, listen, you guys screwed this up. We'll come in and we'll rebuild the infrastructure for you, you know, and we'll have a license to whatever. I, I just I, I can't see in my local town Verizon and Comcast who are actually both operating in my town, which is rare for those of you who aren't in the U.S. Usually, you don't have a choice to say okay, you know, to not fight that, right? I, I just can't see it happening. 
<laughs> it's funny, man. When I got uh, FiOS installed, the uh, Verizon installer cut the uh, Comcast line, and I was using it still for my for my business stuff. So I was actually I was just going to have both. Uh, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have cable TV on it, but I was going to have internet service. And the guy cut it, and then I just thought, oh, that's funny. It's a related outage. And then the Comcast guy came out and was like, did you know your line's been cut? And that shows you like how competitive and like, like it just gets dirty. It gets dirty. They cut the lines when they installed right. the, the well, other we, service. We moved into the office. Verizon screwed up the install. And the first thing the Comcast dude when he came is he ripped the Verizon stuff out of the wall. He went into the ceiling and pulled down all the cables. They were just Ethernet cables. Like it could because you know their Ethernet cables are so much worse than Comcast. Apparently, he couldn't use the same ones. It's yeah. I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong, right? But I, I just don't see. So I guess what you're long. Well, this is a long way of saying the Nexus Five doesn't excite you that much. I, I guess what we're really saying is, you know, the mobile industry has matured, and I don't think anybody's gonna gonna rock, you know, gonna rock the boat too much for a few years. Yeah, including right. Google. Yeah, you probably yeah. Right. could be an interesting device, and it'll be. I mean, there's always Nokia. Any uh, any big hopes for four point four itself? No, I think if they do too much, they're crazy. Right now, they're in a good position. They've been super. I mean, they've even kind of been resistant to give it a new name. I mean, they've right. gone through a couple of point releases and still called it Jelly Bean. So this is the first time we're getting a new name, and some people are thinking a new UI. So I hope they don't do that. I mean, to to really exploit Apple's uh, failure with seven. They should do nothing, right? They should improve I, I look at things Android, under the hood. Honestly, and I, to me, it is starting to look like the icons look of an older generation. Right. Uh, it, it to me feels a little old, like the, the way it. It just all actually feels like I feel like the dark hollow theme is actually a bit of a cheat. It's not. It's 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 minimal design, but it's not it's tasteful minimal. It's like it's like minimal to just get something that looks okay and it's low battery. So, one nice thing about Android is, is they could change the tint of colors and modernize oh, yeah. them a little. Well, they do from time to time. Right, without hurting developers. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we had an episode called Eat Your Greens. Well, Android has eaten their greens, right? They dealt with all this relative layout crap. Yeah. And now they've got it relatively, you know, haha, very funny. Dude, my, my expectation yeah. would be some slight polishing on the UI for 4.4. Nothing new and radical. Exactly. No. They don't, they're not going to pull an iOS 7 because they don't really need to iOS well, and also to. that it makes it, you know, it makes the pain developers are going through with iOS seven all the more acute if Android does a major update that isn't painful, right? Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah, it would start to change that conversation. And, and, and I'd also add that you know I'm not seeing a lot in the Apple press about the pain of iOS seven. I'm just saying you might be better off going seven only. It's it, it's very strange. Pain. The car, the company line, baby, right? I I haven't you know I have it the only thing it made my iPad a little bit slower I really have had no problem. Right, it runs fine. It's just from a development. Oh point yeah, of yeah, view. all right, yeah. Well, they, they don't know. They're not tuned into that stuff. That's why you got to tune into shows like Coda Radio, man. Yeah, Coda Radio. We are the media. Hello. Oh, media baby. <laughs> We're talking about it right here. <laughs> I mean, if anyone wants to find my French press for me and send it back, that and the be- value of this is negative. I think it's wasted effort. No. So I did a RMS rap while you were gone for about two minutes. Should I keep that in the show? You think? I think you should. Yes. Okay. All right. I, will. I think I think all things RMS are great. So uh, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up this week? Do we have anything else in the hoopla? We're kind of running long. 
Yeah, we're running long. I don't have much. You had a tool of the week. You know, we forgot to do your movie pick last week, so we should do the tool of the week this week. True. Brackets. Um, What is it? Brackets is a uh, apparently some sort of IDE. To be honest, I have. Oh, look at that! It looks fancy. Yeah, some JB listeners have been very enthusiastically sending it to us. You know, this is the kind of stuff you need to make us for Linux. Come on now, Mister Dominic. This is the kind of stuff. Look, look how fancy that is. What I like about it is it. It really, it really has a very, very nice UI. Like that is minimal, but yet extremely functional. So get on that yeah. for me, would you? And, and look at the screenshots; are all from Mac. Oh, well, I know. Yeah, it is. It's a Mac app. Yes. Oh, they do have Linux. They have de- oh, son of a gun. Right. Oh, look at that! They got Windows too. They got an MSI package, and Windows, they got Windows devs. is my favorite operating system. That is fantastic. Very cool. So that's brackets, and it's free. Oh, look at this goodness. That is awesome. Filthy Soviet bastards. Ouch. Ouch. That hurts a little bit. That hurts a little bit. I'm going to tell you. All right, Mr. Dominic, where should people find you throughout the week? DominicM.com. Nice job. Nice job. Oh, you're also on the Twitters. We'll have links to that in the the show notes as well as links to my social profile. You can also find uh, Fingertip Tech on Twitter. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Don't forget you can email us. Just pop that contact link at the top of the Jupiter Broadcasting website and then choose Coder Radio from the drop down. And we'd like you to join us live Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern over at JBLive.tv. You can hang out in our chat room and uh, follow along as we go. And then you get to help name this. Hey, chat room, get voting on titles. Bang, suggest away, would you? Go to jbtiles.com and vote. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week. There's nobody else here, Chris. You don't hear me? What are you talking about? Christopher. Oh, I hear you. You don't hear my wonderful beam, or uh, what about... Uh, he is a jackass. Do you hear that, or do you hear... I think it's wasted effort. Or do you hear... I oh, think no. that we should all make those businesses fail. Here it comes. And the value of this is negative. And the value of this is negative. It's negative in the freedom dimension. I think it's wasted effort. Get it out of here. And the value of this is negative. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. Get it out of here. Negative in the freedom dimension. It's negative in the freedom dimension. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. And the value of this is negative. It's negative in the freedom dimension. And the value of this is negative. Get it out of here. I think it's wasted effort. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. I think it's wasted effort. And the value of this is negative. And the value of this is negative. Get it out of here.
Get it out of here. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. I am doing all this live, of course. Hello, hello, hello. 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 I was uh, doing a little RMS dance mix while uh, while we lost you on Skype. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. It's okay. It's all right. I, I got into it. It was kind of fun. It gave me a, it kind of broke it up a little bit. What were we talking about? 